Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Miscellaneous Podcast. This is your host, Kenzie. And I'm Taylor. And I will apologize now for this noise. I have hot chocolate. You will hear that until it is gone. <laughs> Anyways, this is Miscellaneous Podcast. We talk about anything and everything. And this week, we start a topic goes to Taylor. And that's how we get the ball rolling. Yes. So we have an email from the loyal listener, which is my husband. I'm still calling you out. Still, like the only yeah, who people who listen, <laughs> and we have told you to email us. He's the only one who listens. Yes. Okay. So he writes. Well, also he wrote. He sent us a scary story. So we'll <gasps> listen. I'm proud. We will do the question first. Okay. Then the scary story is long. It's just it, it's just spooky season, people, and I've been like, give me scary things. <gasps> Full body chills. Just dropped four episodes today, and I'm ready to be scared out of my wits okay i thought you said full body chills and i was like why why are you having those we haven't done anything yet <laughs> but you mean the actual the podcast yeah okay i've okay. cut on <clears throat> from the loyal listener it reads i recently watched dragon prince and the king of catalis has a law that if a king has no heir the next in line are the orphans of the kingdom although this sounds like a nice deal Although this sounds like a nice ideal, I find it problematic in implementation in a feudal society. How does the kingdom have the best orphanages? Or does the kingdom have the best orphanages? If so, why would anyone want to keep their own children? If not, how are the future leaders being prepared in case a king or queen dies heirless? What world building would you use to make this make sense? If either you have not seen the dragon pants, are there any story worlds that make you think of the practicality of ideas shared by the fictional society have fun so i have seen the dragon prince okay. not the most recent season but i have seen it um basically the whole um the orphans will inherit if i don't have an heir thing like it makes sense and it is a good idea however if you're going to have that be a rule that means you really got to take care of people mm-hmm. because an orphan can grow up vengeful mm-hmm. or with the idea of i'm gonna make things better Okay, but like his question, one of his mm-hmm. questions were. So let me continue. Okay. <laughs> you paused long enough. I thought it was my turn. <laughs> um, basically, what I would do is, it's the orphans, right? But I would be like, if if you're operating under the assumption of an orphan can rule and it'll be great, that means you already care a lot about your people. Okay. So you're already putting things in place to take care of the people who go well, I can't afford to take care of my child or the child's parents died. You've already got things in place because you care. Mm-hmm. And you're basically, if you care a lot about your people, you're taking really good care of them as best you can, and you're out amongst your people, the orphan is going to grow up with a sense of, I love my country, I want to take care of it. And then if they're next in line, then they've already instilled in themselves, like, the king was so good to us, like, commoner people, I have to be the same. Okay, but then mm-hmm. one of these questions that I was trying to ask was, what what do you put in place to keep parents from putting their children in orphanages on the off chance they can become a future leader? Uh, well, first of all, you're just going to hope that the parents aren't horrible people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What I put in place? Mm. I would almost be like, if... I would you would have to meet certain requirements if you're gonna give up your child. Like you can't afford it. Okay. Because children can be expensive, like you are in poverty, like having a child is too much right now. Mm-hmm. Like we would put things in place, but I would have the stipulation of we will take care of your child until you are financially able to step back in. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like, just simply, I don't want this kid. But, like, how do you follow up on that? I would, it would be, like, open to adoption, I would say. Like, the same functions of, like, interacting a lot. You would hang out with them a lot. You'd build a relationship. But I would feel like the orphanage would make, like, they go to school here. This is where they're getting their food from. We're instilling the values into them. Okay. Because I was like, if you are going to give up your child temporarily anyways mm-hmm. for money reasons and stuff i would i would say it's more like we are the program set in place so that you can get on your feet so more of a social community mm-hmm. program yeah because it's not like um you give it up for adoption we'll take your child away because you can't take care of them it's hey you're struggling so we'll take care of them they can stay here and you can make sure you're saving enough enough money, but you don't have the added strain of trying to take care of them as well. So your money like never goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. But like, obviously we want you to be part of their life still. It's not like we're taking your child away. So interact with your kid, take care of your kid, like yeah, do the best you can. But like, we'll cover the big things so that you're not financially strained. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then like, <clears throat> how do you decide from the orphans who gets to rule? Like, how are you ensuring that, that they are... That was the other thing. I was like, how do you decide which one? Because if you go by the oldest one, it, like, doesn't really work that way. No. So I think what it means, like, with the orphans is... I. What I also think is when they say, if I'm heirless, it'll be raised by the orphans, I think it's like, I don't have a son, so I'm going to go adopt one. Which I would also think is like... Because a lot of kingdoms... France looking at you <laughs> when they have to be blood but this guy's operating on someone has to come after me mm-hmm. I don't have a kid so I'm going to go adopt a kid and instill in them my values and show them how much this I care about this kingdom because I'm going at it like you find a random child in the orphanage and they are suddenly king but I'm what my thought process is when he said it's by the orphans it's I don't have a son and I need a son, so I'm going to go find a kid who needs a home and who I've decided, like, I pick you, basically, like how adoption works. And then you instill in them, like, you raise them up to be like, hey, like, it doesn't matter that you're not my blood. Like, I rule this nation. I care about this nation. And I would like you to care about this nation after I'm gone. But then how would you deal with all the resentment from the children who weren't chosen? That's just going to come regardless of how okay, much you do. I'm just, okay, I'm just saying. Because I was like, that's like asking in today. How do you deal with that? How how do you deal with that? You can't. How do you deal with resentment? I just don't talk to them. <laughs> no, because you can't. Yeah. That, I mean, that's... there's no way to deal with it. You can't make everyone happy. But with, like with adoption, it's like you literally say, hey, I would like to adopt a child. And the adoption agency says, hey, this kid needs a family. Let's see if it works out with you guys. But at what point did they make that call? Like What call? The call of, like, okay, I'm going to be airless from this point forward. I will now adopt. What if they're married? Like, what happens if they choose an heir and then their spouse becomes pregnant? The older child. Because, like, in the Dragon Prince, his oldest son is adopted. Yeah. But he's not in line, and he's okay with that. Well, he didn't want to be. 
he didn't want to be true. But, like, that's the thing. Like, the king knew he didn't want to be king and accepted that. Yeah. He's like, all right, you don't want to be king. You are my oldest son. If we were, if you did want to be king, you would be king. You're my oldest son, regardless of blood or not. Mm -hmm. But because you don't want to, my youngest son will be king. Because he wants to be king, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because their father is, like, actually a good father. <laughs> so sad that he died. I know. Spoilers for those of you who don't know. It's, like, the first episode. I know. But still, I mean, like, their dad is a good dad. Because instead of going, you like, like in the Prince of Egypt, he's literally, Ramsey's entire childhood is being petrified whether or not he's going to be a great king as his father. Or being the weak link. Like, that's his whole identity is screwed up into <laughs> will i be the weak link and destroy an entire generation of kings whereas in the dragon prince he goes do you want to be king and what's his name again Callan. Mm-hmm. and he goes no and he's like all right goes to his other son hey do you want to be king one day like he just doesn't even question it he goes okay that's not what you want to do but also this is a kid's show so yeah. like <laughs> so like what kind of the best lessons i've learned have been from well-written kids shows. yeah that's true but i mean that just goes to show that being a father for him is so much more important than being a king but like, he will do the kingly things but he would rather have a fatherly relationship with his kids well and the, there's a saying that the hand that rocks the cradle rocks the world mm-hmm. so if you can have a greater impact on the youth on the the upcoming generation that's mm-hmm. but like because while his oldest son may not have been king he would have been like probably the top advisor yeah because he else. loves his little brother with everything in him mm-hmm. he's gonna fight for that kid no matter what which means if he thinks something's a bad idea he's not gonna be afraid to be like hey that's kind of a bad idea bro <laughs> And then, because his brother respects him, he's gonna listen. Yeah. And not in, like, the whatever you say, older brother, he's gonna be like, alright, because I value your opinion, I will listen to it. And then make my own decision. But, yeah. But, like, it will be an informed decision. I'll make my own informed decision based off your opinion and all my what my advisor says. But he's gonna hold his oldest brother's opinion to a higher regard. Yeah. Just because of the relationship they have. That show is fun, though. I can't remember that. What's the elf's name? She's uh, she's Scottish. I don't remember. I can see her in my head. I know. I haven't I'm watched it in a really long time. We just actually rewatched it because to see dinosaurs. So you gave them dragons. Because two point or one point Dragons and dinosaurs. Speaking of one point <laughs> today I'm just working away at my computer. My family is sitting on the couch and hanging out, and I hear, Ah, you bit me. <laughs> And it's Avery to 1.0. Like, why did you bite me? He's like, I was trying to get the the, the food. <laughs> I was like, uh, you don't get your fingers out there fast enough. No, he uh he bit him on the leg. <laughs> Ow, you bit me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Dude, okay. So, sidebar here. I saw a TikTok. It's so weird to see the voice actor for Aang be like a full-grown adult. No, the one that gets me is the voice actor for Zuko. Zuko's voice comes out of his face just like regular. Because <laughs> he didn't have to do a whole lot of acting. Rufio! 
Anyways, um, I saw a TikTok. They were doing a, a live recording thing, and they were talking about fandom ships. And <laughs> the voice actor for Egg says this is a Katara Zuko free zone. <laughs> he was like, we don't talk about that in this space. <laughs> because as the voice actor of Egg, he's going to root for Egg. He's going to root for his homeboy. Well, I mean, I hope so. I know, but it was so funny. He was like, we don't talk about that here. And then, <laughs> and then the voice actor for Zuko just burst out laughing. He was like, hey, it could have happened. And he was like, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm glad it didn't. There would have had to be a lot more growth on both sides. Uh, as a writer, that love story would have been so much more interesting. Yes, but this is for like 10-year-olds. I know, but we don't need that kind of drama for young children. They don't need to have it. I it's not a love triangle if only if two people are going after the one person that's a love corner it's a love corner <laughs> it's a love triangle if all three people are interested in all three people equally it's a love triangle kind of like how like Marinette and and oh gosh Adrian thank you I was gonna say Angel and I was like that is not what his name is Marinette and Angel are in a love square Adrian thank you <laughs> I did. Because <laughs> that's their ship name. That's all I can remember them by. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But they're in a love square. Because both of their alter egos are in love with each other. It's so, like, it's, like, frustrating and adorable at the same time. Because... You didn't watch the second season because, like, the parts that I watched... Uh, I know. Every time I see a new... Like, every time I see a new gift section on Tumblr, I'm like, gosh, I need to watch the show. I need to. That's my most popular fanfic. As it should be. I wrote. It's called Miraculous Reveal. And it's like 30,000 words. <laughs> but it's my most popular fanfic. And I got a lot of comments that are like, this is amazing. Yeah. No, it's called Miraculous Pain. Miraculous Reveal is where. Um, what's her best friend's name? Shoot. I can see her in my face. I know. See her face. Um. Anyways. Oh yeah. There we go. Anyway, she um finds out that they're dating, and they're both um Chat Noir and Ladybug. Oh. So she's like losing her mind. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for the, the scary? Story? I am ready for scary stories. The doctor pulled the stethoscope ear tips out and hung the device around his neck. That was really specific. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna be trying really hard not to critique this. <laughs> Mr. Weatherby, all of your tests have come back negative, and my examination th- shows nothing abnormal. Adam knew what was coming next. I'm not crazy, Doctor. I'm sorry, but there is no physical reason for why you occasionally lose control of your hands. A psychologist can help. I don't need therapy. I need answers. They seem to have a life all their own. I can't hold a job. I'm under investigation for assault. I almost killed my neighbor. This can't go on. I'll try anything at this point. After two weeks on a new medication, Adam saw no progress and grew increasingly depressed. He was convinced that despite what the doctors said, that it was not a psychological problem. That night, frustrated and angry, frustrated and angry, Adam sat down in a chair and drank bourbon. Drank <laughs> drunk and hopeless, he stumbled to the garage and started the table saw, then slowly lowered his wrist towards the screaming blade. Detective Armstrong entered the garage where several uniformed officers stood over the blood-soaked body. So what have we got, he asked, taking in the blood-spattered scene. This is a weird one, detective. 
How so? Take a look at the body. He apparently chopped off his hands with a table saw and bled to death. Armstrong knelt down. And? And we can't find his hands anywhere. <laughs> hands by Minboy. Hmm. I mean, I kind of saw it coming, but, like, that's... You know how many books I've read in my entire life? <laughs> I don't want to say I'm disappointed, but I want, like... I don't want to be freaked out, not like I knew... Okay. It was it was suspenseful, mm -hmm. not scary. Yeah. I want to hear about somebody's interaction with the skin crawler in the forest, basically. No, thank you. <laughs> like, <laughs> every time I see a freaking TikTok video with one of those... They're in the forest and something's screaming. <laughs> There's a park ranger who... He's not saying that skinwalkers are real. He's just saying, if you hear screaming in the woods, he's like, call for the park service and wait for us. So somebody else can die in your place? Because they were like, first of all, we don't know what that is. He's like, he's like, skinwalker, whatever. He's like, the point is, you are not a survival expert. You do not want to get yourself lost in the woods. We cannot look for two people. No. He's like, so you stay put, we'll find you, and then go from there. He's like, you go off tromping in the woods, now you're lost. He's like, and we can't help either of you. Because we but, don't know where you are, which means we don't know the other person is. So he was like, call us and wait. It's going to be hard as hell, but if you do it that way, we can get to both of you. If you go tromping off into the woods, we don't know where you are. Really He's like, point. that's literally like the number one mistake people make. Hiking alone, went off the path, didn't tell anyone where they were. How the heck are we supposed to find you? No, we never hike alone. That's why um, the guy who got stuck in the fire furnace got his arm stuck and he had to cut it off. Oh, the dude who wasn't supposed to be there? He, yeah, he wasn't allowed to be there, went alone, didn't tell anyone where he was. Like, literally every single thing they tell you not to do, he did. So, I remember when we went to the fire furnace in Moab and... We asked about that guy, and the park ranger's face was, I hate him so much. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Because not like what he did was stupid. It's because they're like, yeah, everyone's like, whoa, that was so dangerous and cool. And he's like, no, it wasn't cool. He literally ignored every single one of us. He could have gotten himself killed. He almost died because he didn't listen to any of us. He was like, it's literally my job to make sure p stupid people don't die. And I can't help you not die if I don't know you're here. That's fair. Mm -hmm. How long is 127 hours, Avian? Mm -hmm. 24, 48, 30, um, 60. Seven. I do have a 12s. Some fairness. 24, 48, and then you get to something in 96. <laughs> Calculator. <laughs> Our brains math very differently. Yep. But I do it that way because at work I count by 12 all the time. Oh. Well, that mm -hmm. would make sense. It's, it's you know, familiar. It is five days in a bit. It's a miracle he didn't die. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped that it rained so he could get some water, but, like... But it's, like... Well, and the other thing I've is been like to Moab. it's it's hot as hell. Cause people people underestimate Moab. All, like people die in Moab a lot, I can and it's see because that. 
they ignore the park rangers because the park rangers are like, yeah, get a pack of water, but that one pack is for you. So yeah. if you have five people, you need five cases of water. Like, you need, like, two gallons. Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, Gatorade is not an appropriate way to rehydrate yourself. It's a good companion mm-hmm. to get your electrolytes back up, but you need water. Yeah, they're like, you need water. And if you're worried about your electrolytes, just sprinkle a little bit of salt in your water. Boom, electrolytes. <laughs> Literally what electrolytes are is just salt. Because <laughs> you sweat out all of your salt. So you just put a little bit of water, a little bit of salt in a your water. A little bit of water in your salt. <laughs> the ocean! If you put just a little bit of salt in your water, you don't even have to put in enough that you can taste it. That's electrolytes. Yeah. Yeah. But these people underestimate Moab all the time. Like, oh, I'll be fine. They'll take one little water bottle on the hike to Delicate Arch, which no. is only a mile. No. But it's a hard hike in no shade hike heat. And it gets up to like 120 sometimes because you're on slick rock and it just bounces off right up into your face. Um, no, I would want a camelback with at least a gallon of water in it. Yeah, they always say a gallon of water per person. Yeah. And it's only a mile. Yeah. But it's a mile in the desert where there is no water around you. And there's nowhere, f- there's nowhere for the sun to go but into your face. Mm-mm. Yeah. So it's like, I just, they say all the time, water, 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 and people just don't listen. Because they think they're going to be fine. And the park ranger's like, you dummies. <laughs> the, I think the most annoyed I got when I went up to it. Because I used to, I basically grew up in Moab. So I remember Delicate Arch when there was no one there ever. And now there's like always 200 people and I'm annoyed. Um, but they can't expand the parking spaces either. Because they destroy the natural fauna. Yeah. There's that crust. It looks like dirt, but it's a crust and it's alive. So they always tell you don't go off the path. You'll kill it. Yeah. And, and you can see take, where like, people have gone off. Of yes, it, it is the slowest growing thing on the planet, basically. And you can see when people go off the path because there's steps, and then it doesn't grow back because it's dead now. Yeah. So they really hate it when you go off the path. Yeah, I remember being down there and being like really careful. Like I didn't even know what the crust looked like. I don't even remember if I ever saw any, but we were very careful to stay on the path mm-hmm. because we didn't want to disrupt. You didn't want to disrupt. Mm-hmm. Well, and I remember, like, when we were kids and, like, that guy who went into the park and knocked over some formation. Like, oh, it's just rocks. Like, no, it is a protected area of land. And that right there took how long to form? Oh, wasn't weren't those the mushroom rocks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is great. And everyone's oh, like, oh, you know what oh irritates gosh. me when you're trying to go on a hike and you're using the, what are the stacked rocks called? Oh, shoot. What are you talking about? They're the Pathfinder things. Yes. When people are just like, oh, this is so cool. And they try to make them. But then like, you almost end up leaving the trail thinking, oh, there's my marker. No, don't do this. Yeah. They, they've even said to Moab, stop making this. These were there for past you make too many the past becomes illegible and people yeah, get lost i mean know. on the way to delicate arch little hard to get lost it's just it's basically a straight shot but but there are definitely other places are like there are definitely not, other places not even just in what but like in the mountains up here mm-hmm. well and don't make more because there's a very incredibly rare newt in the rivers that when you move the rock you destroy its home even if you put it back it won't go back because well, it's not safe anymore. Yeah, it's not safe anymore. It won't go back to that spot. And then you disturbed it, and they're so fragile that just moving that rock could probably kill them. 
So they're like, you're destroying so much to make an Instagram post. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, there's places where you can and it won't affect anything, but not in a river. A river's got too much of an ecosystem going on. I mean, everything has a really in-depth ecosystem going on. I know, but I feel like if you want to build one, like, go to the Great Salt Lake where the only thing in is a brine shrimp. (laughs) Like, your safe bet is there. Yeah. It's the only thing that grows in there. Mm-hmm. It stinks so bad. Yeah. Anyways, back to the skinwalker thing. Um, so, I've never heard anyone screaming bloody murder in the woods before. Um, I would dip. Like, I'd be out. I know, but I mean, but because it's the woods, I would not go toward it. Because first of all, some animals make loud noises like that, and I'd be like, that's called... Well, yeah, there's, like, animals that do sound like people. Like, recorded, they sound like people. Mm-hmm. And that's a quick way to see God. And <laughs> I would like Express to... delivery! Same-day delivery! <laughs> Same-day delivery, all right. Um, <laughs> but also, like, I just, like, because people are like, if I heard someone scream, I run. I'm like, not in the woods. Nah. Not no. in the woods. Everybody's got, when you go into the woods... Fresh air is for dead people! <laughs> I think that's from Morbid. But... Instagram podcast. Because, I mean, like, anybody who goes into the woods immediately is aware they are not the big predator in the forest. No, they're not. They are highly aware of that. So if somebody's screaming, bloody murder, you think, crap, it's Slenderman, I'm out of here. (laughs) Slenderman? No, I think it's a mass murder. Not a mass murder. I think it's a serial killer. That's where my brain goes. Mm -hmm. And then you go, hey, 911, somebody's screaming in the woods out here. Ah, this is where I'm located. I will stay on the line. <laughs> like, but if I mean, like, if you're in the city, like, with a lot of crowd going around and somebody starts screaming, everyone's gonna be like, what the heck's going on there? That's a lie. No one will stop. Unless there is the word fire involved. I know. They've done, they've done a lot of studies on it. You have to say fire. Because, like, seriously, the kids in my neighborhood, sometimes I have to listen and be like, are you screaming in pain or are you playing? Like, I can't tell sometimes. Are you in joy or in pain? Yeah, like, sometimes you can't tell. Because it's basically the same high-level pitch. Oh, so, so piercing into your, your earworms. Mm-hmm. Ow. But there, anyways, there was the most recent video that I sent to Taylor. It was... You sent me several. Which most recent one? It was, excuse you, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was Thomas. <laughs> Anyways, there's a dude sitting on top of a tree, as you do when you're hunting deer, and... Which, yeah. So when you hear that, you think, holy crap, it sounds like an old person screaming, but toward the end, it starts to sound like a meow. So I think it's a mount, cougar. a cougar. Like, cougar and mountain lion are the same thing. Yeah, I think it's a cougar, like, just yowling like cats do. <laughs> <laughs> I must express my displeasure. <laughs> Although, I have learned that you wouldn't put... I think it's so weird that you got cougar, puma, and mountain lion are all the same cat with three different names. Yeah. Anyways, it's not considered a big cat. Because it doesn't roar. And it purrs. Yes. And also, the snow leopard, which is considered a big cat, is smaller 
than the smallest non-big cat. And it doesn't roar. And it doesn't purr. Then why is it considered a big cat? I don't know. Hey, sir, who knows facts about the animals? What'd you say about it? <laughs> um, but basic, But it is the way... It's such a formidable hunter, though. That they've put it in the big cat category. Because it, like... They're like, it may be small, but it will, like... It is very accomplished hunter. In the mountains. Hunting mountain goat on the side of a cliff. Well, that's just... So. Also... <laughs> Do you remember that video where he was going on about um, the difference between a jaguar and a leopard? Yeah. And he was, like, talking about the differences, and he was like, basically, a leopard is very quick and agile. A jaguar would just straight up kill you. <laughs> like, Murked. <laughs> Murked. Because literally there's a video of a leopard chasing a baboon through a tree. A leopard or a jaguar? Which one's in the Africa? Don't ask me these questions. <laughs> I was awake from three to f- six. Three to six What's today. It's a jaguar. <laughs> I was nursing 2.0 in bed. And then he rolled away and I was like, all right, fine. Then I got tired and I was like, I'm still awake. So I was like, hey, Avery, he's ready for bed. Mind you, 2.0 is snuggle up against feet, about against Avery's back. He yeets himself across the bed to come snuggle with me because if I'm snuggling with her, Dad won't take me away. <laughs> he was wrong. <laughs> he was wrong. Anyways, um, Jaguar is the one that will straight up kill you. Leopard is the quick agile hunter. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the lap- leopard, did I say that right? I don't know. I'm not focusing here. My brain's been off all day. Because um, I had to work with the quickness at work, and that was 10 hours of stuff. <laughs> I'm tired. The firsts are horrible. Yeah. Anyways, jaguars are the bigger and bulkier one. Yes. They're beefy. The jungle cat versus the African cat. So the leopard, there's literally a video of a leopard chasing a bamboo through a tree, and he jumps like, he like dive bombs like 12 feet and just snatches the monkey right out of the air. Yikes. And like, they're like kamikaze cats. Like, they'll be like gazelles, like under the tree, and they'll just straight up land on them. Death. Kamikaze means that they would die too. Don't. Do you know what the literal translation of kamikaze is? No, what is it? Something wind. Something wind. Ah, I used to know it. But aren't kamikaze bombers attributed to suicide bombs? Yeah, but because that was the name of the unit, not necessarily a term for death and stuff. We go to random places. Yeah. Welcome to miscellaneous. Um, Man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Anyways, but jaguars, dude, they're the ones that are killing the alligators. Because they bite through the skull and kill them immediately. Like, they get into the water and hunt the dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) Alligators and crocodiles are only strong when biting down. It's called... The kamikaze's direct translation is divine wind. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about that new information. It comes to the name a Japanese gave to a typhoon... That destroyed the Mongol ships in the 13th century and saved the country from invasion. That's where we get the word kamikaze. 
So when they gave the kamikaze pilots that term, it's because they were the force of a typhoon, basically. Hmm. It doesn't have anything to do with... And after World War II, that's where we got the term kamikaze as a way you die. That's not actually what the word is for. Well, welcome to English. <laughs> we take your words and they mean what we want now. We rifle. We mug other languages for their spare grammar, grammar and vocabulary. Grammar. Grammar. They're they're grammar. Okay. Oh man. Guys, we're real tired today. We are real tired. My brain doesn't work very well. Um so in honor of spooky season. It's spooky season. Um Let's just talk about that supernatural episode with the Wendigo. Cause that I was like, what the frick? Remind me. Okay. So basically they were like, hey, there might be a Wendigo in there because a bunch of kids died in the forest. And a Wendigo is a spirit of hunger. It yes. is never satisfied. It will eat everything. I don't until remember death. how a Wendigo is created. It is created when you're dying of starvation and you become a cannibal. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do remember it now. Vaguely. What and what I was like, okay, Wendigo, creepy, let's kill it. But what I hated is that it imitates. So, Sam and Dean are out there trying to kill this thing, but it can sound like both of them. Yeah. And it imitates a sound that it's heard. So, Sam is running around and he hears Dean screaming. Immediately assumes something wrong, but it's the Wendigo. Okay. And I was like, okay. But if he can he can imitate what he's heard, when did he hear De- Dean screaming? When he captured him, dude. And you know stabbed him in many, the leg. You know how long it has been since I've, like, watched? There's, like, 16 so, seasons. There is. I stopped watching about when Cass came in because I got bored. Um, but <laughs> the episode that I remember the most is the Bloody Mary episode. I think that's the one that I saw. Like, I walked in and my mom was watching it. And I was like... Um, like the first season of Supernatural was like straight up scary. It was it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Everything else after that, you just kind of mm, okay, okay. But like the first season, you're like, oh my god, Bloody Mary's feel <laughs> coming for people. Ugh, and she I crawled just remember her coming out of the mirror, and I was like, <laughs> I think I need to leave now. But then I was in that like trapped like. That freeze moment of like mm-hmm. I can't leave. What I need to. Ha- what needs to. Ha- What's gonna happen? <laughs> I know that whole just man. The whole episode was just like. I remember I was watching it in my room. I remember it was my old room in the basement, and I remember like clutching the covers, being like, "Oh my god, she's coming out of the mirror. She coming out of the mirror." <laughs> it's like, because ah. like she's supposed to stay in the mirror. And then she doesn't, and I was like, that's breaking the rules, ma'am. Get back in the mirror. <laughs> but then I do like how they defeated her was they showed her in the mirror. And her reflection kills her. Basically, she, she like does a weird suicide thing based on the rules of her, of how she exists. Yeah. And her reflection says, you killed all those people. Because that's what she does, is she make people confess the terrible things they did and then she makes them and then she kills them as punishment but then her reflection was like you've killed all those people <laughs> this is your punishment except it yeah and then what effectively the other one that like really stuck in my head i think it's also in the first season the the 
ghost woman who was drowning men. That's like the first episode. It might be. She like shoved her hand into Sam's chest and he was like dying. <laughs> or he was like, who's in your car? And he grabs his keys and says, no one. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then uh, Dean ends up driving like 0.3 something and 0.3 miles. And I don't know why. That was just the one that sticks mm-hmm. in my head. Mm-hmm. And the one with the lucky, the, the not lucky coin. Well, my shoe. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of like the movie that was like, oh, I'm freaked out. I'm freaked out, man. I, I was like, Quiet Place freaked me out, but that was more intense and like, I'm scared. It was more suspenseful. Yeah. It was a lot scary. No, so, little, little story. Um, when Alien came out in theaters, uh-huh. mom and dad went to go see it. And, um, there's this scene where she's crawling through the air vents and she turns the light and the alien is there and and everyone kind of goes, oh, and my mom straight up high pitched, (laughs) 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 like three long screams because everyone else kind of went, oh, it's there. And my mom just like straight up. And they were in like, and this was back when theaters had like, uh, I don't remember what theater they were in. They were they were like in the upper balcony, is what he said. Yeah. And everybody turned to look at her. <laughs> and dad was like, it was like the only time in our marriage that I was like, almost pulled away and was like, I don't know her. <laughs> Just, ugh. I think the best scare I got from you was when I had that cardboard cutout of an angel. Oh, freaking heck like <laughs> me and steph went to go say hi and i set it in front of her um the peephole in the door <laughs> so and so she came she's like oh i'll see who's at the door and then that was just staring at her and i hear this okay ah! because i didn't in that in that apartment there was no windows right next to the door so if i wanted to know who was there because i couldn't see the front porch from either of the windows that faced outwards to the front i had to look through the people and just the i will say though i did get steph a real hardcore i had my laptop so that my background would change every time you like moved oh did you set the I, rotating angel I did. I oh did. that's so mean she was so mad at me that's mean i didn't it was just for me because it was like Ah, it moved. But I just apparently didn't tell her that that was the thing that was happening. <laughs> she was not pleased. Yeah, so basically, if you guys have not watched Doctor Who, that's fine. It's kind of cheesy. Me and Alex are rewatching it right now, and it's... It's it's some parts that I remember, like, sobbing, we're laughing at now. So, <laughs> um, that episode the basically is a great episode. It's literally, like, the first horror episode in doctor who but it's a horrific episode it is it is scary man because there's a spot too where she's in a room and there's like three angels there and one of the angels is holding the key to the tardis so there's so there's an angel behind her there's an angel in the window like directly across from the audience and there's an angel in the far right side of the screen that has the key so she walks from the far left angel passes in front of the angel in the window and then when she's out from in front of the angel in the window it has moved because you the audience were not watching that angel so 
and I'm like, like literally, I remember the first time I noticed it, I was like, oh my gosh, the angel moved because I wasn't watching it. I'm not okay with that. (laughs) I was like, yeah, no, I was just like, because I mean, like, and Doctor Who, the classic villain is a doll, like whatever, plunger and a laser. But the angel is so much scarier because it has. It doesn't ever talk to you. It doesn't talk to you. It moves lightning quick, and you look away from it too long, you're just done. You're done. You blink, and you're done. However, they let you. They do let you live Whatever to death. Whatever you do, don't look away. Don't blink. They do let you live to death, just not in your own timeline. Yeah. Because that's what they feed off. They feed off the potential of what you would have done. I potentially would nap. And they can't do that if they kill you. Well, because if they kill you, then there's no more potential. Potential's Mm-mm. ended. Your forward momentum through but this man, timeline. That episode, I was like, oh, I'm freaking out. Especially <laughs> when his friend is standing there. And he's like, I can't. He's like, Sally. Her name is Sally Sparrow. And she was like, I can't. She's like, I'm going to look around. He's like, I can't do this. And he looks away for a second at the door. When he turns back, the angel's like two feet from him. And I was like, oh, I'm not okay. Oh. I love when horror so directors. Stephen Moffat, the reason that that became an episode is he had that experience of looking at a statue, looking away, looking back, and it was gone. He was in like the middle of downtown somewhere. And he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but I love when horror movies direct like regular movies. Because then they put the horror element in there, and it's just so much better. Like in Aquaman, they go to the trenches where they have to dive in deep, mm-hmm. and it is filmed like a horror movie, and it's great. I haven't seen Aquaman. Cause, so they're on a boat, it's the middle of the storm, okay. and they're trying to get to the trenches, and there's a bunch of different mer people, okay. and they're like in different stages of development, basically. All right. And the trench folk are basically mostly fish that are like super, it's basically orca on steroids. Yeah. So, and they're all, like, all scaly and spindly and just, like, basically little evil pterodactyl swimfish things. Hmm. Anyway, so they're on a storm. She's, like, looking around, and then she turns around, and one's just, like, standing on the rail of the boat. Just, like, there appears. And you're like, what the? And then she turns around again, and there's two more. Oh. <laughs> and then there's lightning flashes, and you can, like, see them crawling. It's literally filled like a horror movie. You're like, oh, my gosh, they're everywhere. And then they're starting to overrun the boat, and they're fighting. They're like, okay, we're just going to have to swim. So they jump into the ocean with a flare, because they don't like... They're deep sea mermen, so they don't like light. Yeah. So then they jump into the ocean, and they have a red flare. And when they do, it zooms out, and you can see there's just, like, thousands of them surrounding them, and only the little itty-bitty red lights keeping them at bay. That makes me really uncomfortable. Right? But it's because a horror director was like, you know, it would make this freakies if we filmed it like a horror movie. Ooh. Which is how you get that intenseness. So I love when horror directors do regular movies because in the scary bits, they can put that little bit of extra in it that normal directors don't do because they're not horror directors. Yeah. And I really appreciate it. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I will say, I haven't watched any, like, horror films. But, like, I listen or I watch to a lot of, like, investigative things about horror hmm. like your murder podcast well, the, the, different even different than that but like 
more like the paranormal ones are like we're researching this and like this that and the other and like Lizzie Borden that lady freaks me out is she the so, one that randomly murdered her entire family with an axe no just her father and her stepmother um but d- have you seen the picture of her father I thought it was a I thought it was a joke for the longest time yeah literally the search Lizzie Borden father no, back up one more. Well, B O R. Um. Yeah. This one? Yeah. Like you thought that was a joke? Why? I'm I'm looking at a picture of him murdered on the couch. Because it doesn't look real. No, that's what a lot of people don't realize is that. Like, when you see, like, actual, like, death stuff, like, your brain goes, that's not how the human body is, therefore fake. (laughs) Even though that's real. Like, look at this picture of his skull. That's just insane. And do we even know why? No. Because, like, from what everybody says, like, oh, yeah, they were great. And then she just went nuts for, like, no reason. Um... She did not really get along. If I remember correctly, she did not really get along with her stepmother all that much. Um, there have been several really good podcasts that I could like dig back into and find out for more reasons. But yeah, like, um, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. okay, yeah, that's what I was, my brain was trying to hmm. struggle to get to. Basically. Google's quick assessment was money. For money reasons. The root of all evil is the love of money. But I feel bad about that because I like money. I like making money. I like spending money. I like having money. I like money. So here's the thing. Money, they say money can't buy you happiness, which to an extent. Money can buy you happiness in the way that suddenly you can afford to get the mental health care you need. You can afford to get the therapist. You can afford to pay all your medical bills and all that stuff. You can afford to live in a life that you're not constantly stressed about where am I going to eat or how am I going to pay this bill. Yeah. Your mental health improves drastically when you have the money to take care of yourself. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. However, when you get to a certain point... It's actually above... Over 75000 a year. The, yeah. The, when you get to a certain point, your happiness level does not increase. Once you have all of your basic needs met with enough to get some fun things, basically that's where it peaks out in mental health happiness in regards to money. Yep. And they've actually found that, like, super, super rich people, like Jeff Bezos, are actually less happy than people who are having their basic needs met. Because they're looking for something that money literally can't buy. They have too much stuff. They think, well, if I get this new car, if I get that thing, and I get this thing, I'll be happier. No, because you are well beyond your basic needs, and you're not getting the fulfillment that you were before, so now you're looking for it in the wrong place. Yeah. Money. Mm -hmm. So money is good in the way that it helps you be less freaked out about life if you don't have to worry about things. Yeah, but it's also, like, basically, like, people are like, I want to be rich. I'm like, I want to be rich in the way that I can be, like, if I'm out to dinner and, like, someone's like, yeah, I'm almost done with my degree. I want to be like, 
here's $2,000 for a tip. Here you go. And just like not even notice that in my account at all. Like I want to be able to do that for people. Like that's how much money I want to have. Is to be able to be like, here's $2,000 and not even notice. I, uh, I heard someone recently be like, okay, like I want to be more generous in my giving, like just throughout my life. Um, and you know, I can give someone $10 if they need it. And that's like not a problem. And they're like, I want to give to the point of pain. I want to know like what that number looks like for me. And it was like, for them, it was like $50. And I was like, okay. I mean, that's good to know your limits though. Mm -hmm. Like this, this is what I can comfortably part with. This is what I can give you without harming myself. Yeah. Either emotionally, financially, whatever. Mm-hmm. Why is that kid so awake? Because oh, here he, comes. he might have gone... 1.0 might have gone into a little bit of survival mode. Which is so annoying that your body does that. When, when you get too tired, uh-huh. you get just enough of an adrenaline kick for fight or flight mode. That you can't go to sleep. Yeah, we just So when people say that doesn't make sense, how are you tired too tired to go to sleep? And it's because you're so tired, your body goes, We have to stay awake and give you just a little bit of adrenaline and then it just ruins your ability to go to sleep. I have been too tired to go to sleep before. It's horrible. And then you lay there and you finally pass out and then it's like you wake up. You're like my eyes only blinked and I was like, Why is it morning? Mm -hmm. Your body just ugh. I always find it so interesting because, like, most animals in the wild kingdom do not sleep for very long. And when they do sleep, it's not very deep. Whereas we as humans, we pass the frick out. Like, we are dead to the world. What evolutionary advancement happened for us that we could just pass out with no consequence? Is that just, like, Um, over millennia of time we've gotten to the point where we just know things aren't going to attack us in the night? Uh, no, because we have people in our packs who will protect us. That is true. We are you, a pack group. a person who loves the Nightites, you will stay awake. I, the sun goes down and I want to go down. <laughs> like, <laughs> the sun wakes up and I wake up and you just like, the sun. <laughs> I wake up when I wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Which, unfortunately, sometimes, depending, it's really sucky. It's like, it'll be Saturday, my one day I get to sleep in. And then I'll wake up at, like, 3 a.m. and just be awake. No. And I'm like, what kind of trickery is this crap? Trickery is not the word I would have used. (laughs) Gosh. So the interesting thing is, like, I like um, scary stories to an extent because I will not go see a horror movie. I won't get to see a horror movie because I get too (laughs) into them and then it's stuck in my head for days and days. And it just, I just, I can't be in that headspace. The only horror movie that I almost, basically I considered it, was when It came out. Because people told me it was, like, both simultaneously, like, the funniest thing they've ever seen, but they were also really freaked out. And I was like, that's good storytelling, though. Because if you get exhausted from being scared, the finale is, like, scary part, you're desensitized. You don't care. You're tired. Yeah. But it doesn't break the, the which is Yeah. So that's why in the movie It, they make you laugh. Because it's a relief, it's a reprieve. Yeah, you it's can, actually... It basically acts more. as, like, a really good reset, so when the next scare happens, it'll freak you out really bad, even if it's minor. Yeah. Yep, it's a technique used in horror. Mm-hmm. To, like, comedic relief. It's a thing. Yep. Which is, like, smart. 
because you as an audience member would get really tired from being scared the whole time. So by the time, like, if it's even, like, the biggest, best scare at the end of the movie, you're tired, so you're going to be like, eh, that wasn't that scary. <laughs> but say, like, you started someone with that, it would freak them out. Yeah. Because they're on the reset already. Your your reset's been exhausted. You don't have the energy to be that scared anymore. Which is why when you read in books and they're like like Mercy Thompson does this where she's like she's she's basically on the run from like the biggest baddest monster in all of Europe and she's absolutely terrified. But eventually her body goes, "Dude, we're exhausted." And then she passes out and sleeps. Yeah. It's like, "Can't because, keep this up done." Cuz that continuous adrenaline output wears you out so fast well it just it it spikes so hard in your body Mm -hmm. there's like no other option but to crash speaking of that ah well there's different different related but the spiking so hard because whenever people would get electrocuted Uh and they fly across the room it's not the electricity doing that that is the force of your own muscles launching you across the room well i learned recently that like you never actually like all right well we'll get back to that thought one moment please and we're back okay Um, so i learned recently that your muscles are never like your muscles only ever move in one direction really they only ever contract and the only reason that you can like move your hand back and forth as you're using different muscles is because the one you're contracting the muscle that's contracting the opposite muscle that takes your your hand the opposite way just relaxes. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that all of your muscles contracting all at once will just wreck you. Also, the fact that your brain literally has an inhibitor that goes, "You can't lift that thing because it will cause injury and pain." So no. That which is where we get the hysterical strength from because you can break through that threshold. Override, yeah. Because if mm-hmm. my if there's a car on my child. F that I'm lifting this car off my child. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, when people do that, not always, but sometimes they sustain pretty heavy injuries from it. Yeah. Because their muscles are contracting so hard, you're breaking bone. Yeah. Like, the human body is incredible, people, and we literally have a built-in feature into our brain to avoid injury. Because humans are so ridiculously strong but we're too strong that we injure ourselves in a very terrible way so we have that inhibitor that goes hey yeah we're strong but don't do that because we'll hurt ourselves this flesh suit piloted by a fat sack <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm not here for it okay? <laughs> i just love the thought that the brain named itself well i mean okay. so <laughs> i just think pause. it's funny final thought for you mm-hmm. every child everywhere has had a moment of existentialism where they realize, I think, therefore I am. Yeah, I know. I read about that in my rhetoric class. Um, It was part of our Freudian section. Because while Freud was an idiot, he had some good ideas. Because he did think, hey, at what point does a child go, that's me in the mirror? It's about, it's between nine months and a year, actually. Yeah. They actually, like, did, okay, well, let's actually study this. And they said there is a point when a toddler, human, freshly born child (laughs) will start going, the thing I see is me. Mm -hmm. And they don't actually know why it happens. It just suddenly clicks. 
you know how many neurons are growing and firing in a tiny mind at any given time? Mm-hmm. Bajillions. <laughs> Bajillions. That is a legit scientific number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, those those, ti- those synapses are firing, I swear, five times faster than an adult's. Because they're taking in new information at every single blink. Mm-hmm. Which is also why children cry so much, is because that literally is the worst thing they've ever experienced up to that point. Mm-hmm. Because when you're an adult, you've experienced a lot at that point. So if you smash your thumb, you're like, ow, that hurt, but you have a comparison pain threshold. Yeah. A child who is six months old does not have a comparison pain threshold. Their threshold is, I got something uncomfortable in my foot, Therefore, that equals the worst thing I've experienced up to now. I'm going to cry about it. Yeah. I am angry. This is a really strong emotion, and I have nothing to compare it to. Which is actually why your brain, like, if you experience something really traumatic, like, say, you were in a gas station, it got robbed, and you were shot or something, Mm -hmm. and your brain starts, like, cycling through everything that you've ever been through, like, pain-wise, it's because your brain goes, I need something to compare it to, you've never experienced anything up to that level so it just cycles through everything because it's trying to look for comparison help 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 because it's help because usually you're like yeah this is the worst thing i've ever experienced but i made it through but if you experience something like that that was traumatic and painful on the same level Mm -hmm. and you've just suddenly all of your skills just got maxed out to a higher degree that you never thought you were going to get to yeah so your brain goes i have no comparison Let's cycle through everything we've ever been to just to make sure this is the worst. Because it's like your brain is trying to process where to put this on the scale and also what just happened to me. Yeah. What the actual what? Mm-hmm. The brain is fascinating. The brain is like the coolest thing, Stupidest. but also the most disrespectful thing. Because <laughs> like the brain is the most powerful part of your body, and yet your brain's like, hey, no one likes you. Like, what the heck? <laughs> What makes you think you can get off on that? The single best tip I've ever heard regarding those intrusive, like, thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself. You just imagine some old white man saying them to you. And I'll be like, I'm happily going to tell you to screw off. Like, (laughs) and it works. It works so great for me. I am incredibly lucky in that I don't have anxiety. I I have never had depression and if I have had depression it's been mild enough that I haven't been aware of it until after I'm like removed (laughs) well that's a depressive episode not depression yeah which I have seasonal depression I believe me and John me and boyfriend believe that because when the sun comes back out I'm like weirdly chipper I'm like what is oh the sun has returned and you're getting vitamin D you're rejuvenating into who you actually are (laughs) you really have sun lamps for that right yeah not the same. <laughs> I, I, I agree. But, you know. but I mean, because I'm literally like a plant. I need some sunshine and then I start wilting. <laughs> I go dormant in the winter. But I mean, we don't, it's so gradual that we don't realize I've been getting like slightly depressed until we get back into summer. And then we both go, oh, you're a lot happier now. <laughs> like we both don't realize because it's such a subtle change. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, like, I've never had, like, true depression. All of my siblings went through it at some point in high school. My mom was actually really worried that I would enter into that, but I never did. Well, her her experiences up to that point, mm-hmm. it made sense that this would be a pattern. 
which um oldest sister actually said this at one point she was like if our parents weren't who they are you would not be as laid back as you are because it takes a lot to frazzle me i can figure out unless you think say you're a friend and you cross a boundary then i'm just like you're dead to me <laughs> exhibit a high school i said don't do that that's annoying and you're like oh that's annoying and proceeded to do it you cross that boundary and i'm like all right we can't be friends anymore yeah, and I don't think you ever even interacted with him after that. Mm-mm. I was I was perfectly civil to him, but we were not friends. Some of you might think if you haven't heard that story already, you'd be like, "Oh, that's kind of extreme." No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a boundary, and it was violated, and I was not gonna be okay with that. Yeah. Because it's I don't feel like I had like well, obviously I might have a lot of boundaries. But they're set in a way that I've never had them crossed. And when someone does cross them, I'm just immediately like, no tolerance, goodbye. <laughs> but you were also raised in an environment where that was encouraged. Mm-hmm. You were allowed to explore I your was own boundaries. very much raised in, envi- in an environment where your boundaries are recognized, honored, and kept. And we're trying to do that with our kids because mm-hmm. we're like we ask for hugs and kisses and they say no they say no but i also like do a high five hug kiss wave what and so sometimes i just get a wave sometimes i get a high five a knuckles a kiss a hug and then more knuckles and high fives <laughs> like mm-hmm. so i mean because i remember i literally spent my childhood in my room in my world playing with my stuffed animals like for hours <laughs> by myself like, to the point where my mom was like, I can't ground you and send you to your room when you're in trouble, because that's just where you like to be. <laughs> She's like, that's not a punishment. <laughs> and it would just, I would entertain myself for hours like that. And I like to be that way. And also, my parents established that homework is a priority. So if they'd be like, hey, can you do this thing? I'd be like, well, I'm doing homework right now. And they're like, oh, okay, I'll do the thing. Yeah. Which was very different from boyfriend's parents, because... They didn't understand why homework was so important. So he was constantly being told that your school's not important. Not specifically, but they would be like... Contextually. Contextually. It was basically being told school doesn't matter. And he was trying... He's first generation of elementary, junior high, high school, and now college. So he tried really, really hard to be like, I want to be able to have something with my life. Yeah. And right now he's got a very great career. And he's doing really well with it. And he gets to do fun things on the side. Like, he's just doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm like, it's a pretty good setup because I want to be an author. And we authors do not make a lot of money. <laughs> Which is why a lot of my favorite authors have two jobs. They write and they do other things. Or, like my one friend, she's a full-time author and her husband is an airplane pilot. Yeah. <sighs> That's a lot of money. So, it kind of works out. So, I was like, me and boyfriend, boyfriend is a graphic designer. He makes a lot of good money. And then I can be a full-time author and still be able to bring in a supplemental amount. Yeah. But I have to write a bunch of stuff. What I've decided to do, because while I do want to work on my books, yes, I need to get stuff out there. Yes. Just stuff. Because I kind of, one of the panels we went to, an author said, what's really good practice is to just, she's like, romance readers are the toughest critics yeah she's like basically pick a pseudonym write a bunch of real crap cheesy romance novels 
you'll get the idea of how to get a story out and a love story you'll get the basics of how to get a book out yeah and she's like and if they're all crappy it doesn't matter because you wrote under a pseudonym (laughs) so when you come out with your actual stuff you have practice you have experience and then you can actually put your heart and soul into it because this is the one you want us to write (laughs) and then you've got the experience under your belt too yeah do it justice so i am published i'm gonna say i'm very proud of that i do have a publication it is a short story and I feel like short stories are so much easier for me because it is short and it's just the quick end end. Yeah. Not end to 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 big end to big beginning all connected somehow. Yeah. Because like my first book that I want to write, it's already like 30,000 words and I'm not even like a fifth of the way through. So. And I want it to be a standalone book. That's going to be a big book. Yeah, so I'm thinking I might either have to just concede and make it a series, but I have to write everything out first. Yeah. Because if I don't write everything out first, I can't read through and go, oh, well, that doesn't need to happen. This scene's kind of irrelevant. I guess this character exchange doesn't matter. And then I can, like, shorten it and actually, like, fine-tune it. Mm-hmm. But I have to get it out. Brain, this is what you want to do with your life. Why haven't you written anything in, like, six months? Because I hate you. Mm. Friend, I'm dying. Okay. That's, if you don't know, that's code for we're done now. <laughs> I've almost said it like five times when you jump into a new topic and I'm like, I'm going to fall asleep <laughs> on the podcast, right? I'm, I'm so dying. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, if you haven't noticed, in the podcast description for episodes is now listed our email. We. My husband was very polite, and he's like, is there a better way to share your email? And I was like, uh, we will also put this in the show notes or the description of every episode moving forward. Mm-hmm. Feel free to hit it up, please. Yeah, because as you as you know, we, we can receive things. So send us the scary stories. How many times do I have to ask for this? You, fellow listener who is a writer like me, I know you know some. I know you do. I know you know some. Send them to we will look at them we will read them we will love on them it'll be great yep okay so that is this week's podcast signing off this is Kenzie and this is Taylor see y'all next week bye